Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life, where relationships expert Judy K. Herman and her guests share insights that can help you move through conflicts in your 9-to-5 jobs and your 24-7 lives. Crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships. Here's your host, Judy K. Herman. A lot of what we discuss on this podcast is relevant to workplace relationships and your professional life. You can build a more cohesive organization where people feel heard and respected. As a speaker and executive coach, I support organizations and leaders. Do get in touch with me about how I can help your company with communication and relationships. Just go to judyspeaker.com. Our topic today is navigating relationship ecosystems with radical self-awareness. I'm pleased to host my colleague, Rebecca Wong. Let's listen in. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life. My name is Judy K. Herman, and I have a very special guest today, Rebecca Wong. She is a relationship therapist, mentor, and creator of the Connectfulness Method for Restoring the Connection to the Self, Others, and the World. Rebecca created the Connectfulness Method by to bypass symptoms of disconnection and address the root cause, because when we're disconnected from ourselves... And when that relationship with the self is off, every other relationship is necessarily affected. Mm -hmm. So, and Rebecca also hosts the Connectfulness Practice podcast, but you've hosted some other podcasts too, Rebecca. You're doing so many wonderful things in this world. I'm like so glad to connect with you. Thanks for having me, Judy. You're welcome. Yeah. So we're going to be talking, uh, a lot of the folks that are listening to this podcast are entrepreneurial couples. They may or may not be familiar with therapy. And I want them to get to know you as a real person who helps couples and you have your own unique methods. And I, I want you to focus on, on what you were sharing with me earlier about you two U-turns, but maybe you start out with just kind of introducing yourself because you've got other things, um, yeah. who you are. You're just, you've got this wonderful package of many things that identify the work that you do, Rebecca. Yeah, all of my work, thanks Judy, all of my work is relational. Um, so I work with individuals, I work with uh, couples and partnerships, and so much of what I'm helping people do is learning how to heal the relational templates that were passed down to them and how to, so that they can find more relational joy in their life. Awesome. Relational templates. So I'm going to just like, I'm going to ask some things just to kind of get a foundation for folks to know you too, because I am so curious when people do are my podcast guests are showing up on the screen here and in our ears that what is it about you, Rebecca, that brought you to the, where you are now as a relationship therapist? Uh-huh. And maybe you can give us the Reader's Digest version yeah. about that. You know, I think like everybody that I work with, I didn't grow up in, the, in a really secure relational space. And so I've been doing a ton of my own healing work throughout my life around relational health. And... That is really what guided me in many ways to this work. I also, early in my career, was doing more work with kiddos and realizing like, hey, you know what? 
I was one of those kiddos once who needed support, but I didn't really need that support for me. I needed the support for the relational system that I lived inside of, for the ecosystem that was chaotic. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I want to back up just a little bit because Uh you and I as therapists, we use our jargon. (laughs) (laughs) So, so the relational ecosystem and security, secure relationships. Some people may not even have a clue about what. Let me slow that down a little bit. Yeah. Thank you for that. When I talk about relationships, I often talk about an ecosystem. We all know what ecosystems are like in nature. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so relationally speaking, we live inside of ecosystems also. Yes. We can either contribute to the pollution of those ecosystems or to the cleaning up of those ecosystems. And then relating that to relationships, relating that to the family system is you're making exactly. that Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There. So just like we can pollute the environment outside, we can also pollute the biosphere, the the ecosystem of our relationships, of within our love relationships, within our family system. We can either contribute to polluting that or to cleaning that up. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, most of us likely have have grown up in not so healthy ecosystems and secure but but you have decided to figure this out like you had this curiosity about you right yeah yeah so you know here's the thing i think that most of us actually do relationships pretty darn well but we don't know that we're doing them well and we don't know what to focus on Mm. to build on that okay okay Flesh that out a little bit. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been hurt in a relationship or have you ever hurt somebody in relationship? So this is like for everybody who's listening, right? Whether I we're talking. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of like a rhetorical question, isn't it? Like, of it kind course of we is. have. We, we just like, of course we have not intentionally. Right. So we uh-huh. all know what it feels like to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And we all also at some point in our lives have been the person who has hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. We all have caused some harm. Okay, so that's a lot to reckon with right there. Mm-hmm. And it's the truth of relationships. All relationships go through a cycle of connection, disconnection, repair. Mm-hmm. We don't talk very much about what these cycles are because we are fed this kind of big lie through Hollywood and whatever that re- all relationships are supposed to be long walks on the beach at sunset. Everything's supposed to be easy and <laughs> right like that. And, and you're supposed to like reach a plateau, right? You reach a plateau, you're happy ever after. <laughs> right. And, and your partner's supposed to read your mind and they're supposed to just right. like we can go on and on about this, but none of that is really matching with the realities mm. that most of us live inside of. Mm. What it, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to let you, you talk because this is great. The truth of the matter is that all of us have these like history colored lenses that we wear. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. That are that are based in like an unconscious, implicit sea of information that we have taken in through our entire lives and some of which we've even inherited through generations that came before us. You know, that is pretty that's big, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, like when we're, we go through our stuff and we think it's just us or we think it's, you know, us and that other person. But but you're saying this is like from generations way before you were even a twinkle in God's eye. It can be. And it can, you know, it could be like the, the way that 
we learn, relationally speaking, the way that we learn gets passed down. So, mm. you know, my mother might have treated me a certain way because that's how her mother treated her. That's how her mother treated her, right? And it goes back, God knows how many generations. Mm. Mm. And it's, it really is like the work that you're, that we, you and I are in, Rebecca, mm-hmm. it's basically we're changing the family tree, aren't we? Oh, or, or helping people to change their, their, their yeah. the family tree. This is, this is the power of the work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We can really change the legacy here. And so, so as we build awareness, mm. right, mm-hmm. that's the key is I think the, the key of the work of learning how to be in a healthy relationship. I don't even like the word healthy, but mm-hmm. learning how to be in a secure relationship. That was the word I used before that you wanted me to kind of flush out a little bit. And I want to come mm-hmm. back to that mm-hmm. in one second is really about learning mm-hmm. how to observe ourself in the moment. Wow. Wow. Learning how to observe ourselves in the moment, bringing up that awareness. Yeah. Moment by moment, day by day. Like it's, it's not like, okay, we were, we're okay now done. No, it's like, we are constantly having to turn that. It's almost like there's a camera and you want to turn it and have it look at you. Wow. What am I doing? Wow. Can I see myself? Can I observe myself? Can I notice the ways in which I'm shooting myself in the foot in this relationship? Can I notice the ways in which I am contributing to the pollution of the ecosystem between us? Wow. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Um, You actually are touching on something, Rebecca, that I have addressed in my book throughout the themes i use this acronym of breathing fresh air Mm. but actually when you fill your lungs up and then you know breathe this fresh air but the acronym is the a is awareness yep and the i is intentionality and the r is the risk of growth so Mm -hmm. so the way that i see it i think you and i must be soul sisters in this work together because that's exactly what you're talking about is building this awareness not just healthy, but this growing, this is the invitation to growing awareness yeah. in relationships. Yeah, it really I is. I love that. I yeah. love that. You know, are you familiar with, um, and, and for everybody that's listening, uh, the research of Ed Tronic and Claudia, through Ed Tronic yes. and Claudia Gold's Power of Discord? Yes, okay. absolutely. Yes. What I love about this research, and, and it works everywhere, like it works in the office, it works with business partners. It works at home with your kiddos. It works with your partner. But what I love about this is that it really focuses, when we come back to talking about security, that what it takes to have a secure versus an insecure relationship kind of is this little magic potion. About a third of the time, about 33% of the time, we want to have like uh, things go decently between us right? Mm -hmm. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a match, there's a connection, something happens and there's a response. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like we're volleying in a game of tennis or something. It feels pretty good for both of us, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Another 33% of the time, there's going to be a mismatch. We're going to totally miss each other. Okay. That's just going to happen. Let it go. Mm. And then another third of the time, there's also a mismatch. And one of us goes, Oh, Oh, that didn't feel so good. Can we try what can, can I reach out and try to reconnect, try to repair? It doesn't mean I have to repair, right? It doesn't even mean we have to feel good about it later, but one of us at least noticed it. Wow. That's security. 
That's it. Oh my gosh. That I've never heard it explained that way, Rebecca. That makes so much sense. So, so you're saying a third of the time we're going to be like ping pong back and forth. And, and it's going to be, and time. it's going to feel pretty good when we're and it's going to feel good, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's for that's for a secure. Are you describing a secure functioning re- relationship? Yeah, like that? I mean, yeah. because I'm like thinking, this, this whole thing is a secure functioning relationship, okay. right? Okay, yeah. So for some people, that that might be seventy five percent, or I mean, uh, like the missing each other might be ninety nine point nine 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 percent. Right, but the the <laughs> thing is, you get to miss each other. You get to miss each other, right? Uh-huh. So if you go back to the other piece that I was talking about before, harmony, disharmony, repair. The harmony uh-huh. is the ping-ponging. Uh-huh. The disharmony is missing each other. Mm. The repair is one of us is reaching out. Oh, And the repair okay. doesn't have to be perfect. There is okay. no, it's just that the intentionality is there. Oh my gosh. Oh my yes. gosh. I see that I harmed you. I see that didn't feel so good. Help me understand. That is huge. That is a key. And really, that is a difference between what John Gottman would call the, the masters and the disasters, right? I mean, I don't know if you have uh, Gottman I, yeah. or not, but it, I think you do. Yeah. But uh, is that what you're talking about? Is that where like, okay, we can, we, we, we've got this rupture in our relationship and now we can repair it? Yeah, I think the key here, right, is that when we can learn how to notice what is it that I have contributed to the discord between us. Ah, that's the thing. That's it. Yeah. That's the difference. That's the difference, right? Because, because it's difference. It's like, I have to be able to say, can I tell you a story? A story about my relationship? Okay. uh, Please do. Yeah. I I was going to ask you if you hadn't volunteered. (laughs) I I think this is going to illustrate the repair piece. Okay. Okay. So, So I um, have two colleagues that I work with a lot, mm-hmm. Julie, uh, Julianne Taylor Short and Vicki Issa, and we run Terry Reel's Relational Life Boot Camps. I've, um, heard you, I've heard the three of you on your podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah. We have another podcast. It's called Why Does My Partner? It's super fun. That, that's the one I heard, actually, yeah. the, the Why Does My Partner. <laughs> I can't tell whose voice is who, so I didn't know which one was your voice. So. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> we have so much fun with this podcast and we run these these workshops together. They're like two and a half day workshops and we have okay. so much fun doing them. And we had just led a workshop and I had taught all of these human like relational skills for two and a half days. <laughs> and then like the next day, my partner and I had this super bumbly human relational <laughs> rupture. Like I <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but I'm just telling you <laughs> what you're telling me is just so, so familiar. It's yeah. so familiar. You do yeah. something wonderful. You come <gasps> home and things have. OK, so I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. So I had just <laughs> taught all these skills, right? Taught these people like this is how you have more relational joy in your marriages. And this is how you repair your relationships. And then I go home and I just bumble. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, wait, I was just teaching these skills. I thought I was using them all in my own relationship. What isn't working? What was I doing wrong? So here's the thing. In retrospect, what I realized is I was holding on to a fix-it agenda. Mm. Right? A fix-it agenda from all the things you were teaching or, or what? No, I mean, with, what do you with, mean? With my partner. Uh-huh. I needed to fix something. So I had to slow down and do a U-turn to kind of start rumbling with myself to understand what had happened and mm. to kind of be a little humbled. Mm. You see, in, in the boot camp, we teach this really specific uh, skill. It's called a direct request. 
Okay. And I love direct requests. In fact, I think that we're all born innately knowing how to make a direct request. Like when a baby is born, what does it do? It cries. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah. What does the cry mean? The cry means this is what I need. Exactly. <laughs> right? Whatever the thing is. It doesn't yeah. have words, but yeah. it tries. And then as we go through life and some of those needs don't get tended to, mm. we start shutting down our asking for what we need. Mm. Mm. And it doesn't take all that long. And so what we're learning in teaching people how to do direct request is how to get back to that more primal state. Mm. Wow. Wow. And I thought I was practicing that skill with my partner. But here's the thing that I goofed. I made a direct request. And when he couldn't say to me, yep, can do that for you, I kind of didn't take it so good because I wasn't able to take his no for an answer. <laughs> and that's the thing. I, he wasn't saying like, no, no, no. He was saying like, I can't do that now. Ah. And so what came up for me was that he wasn't doing it on my timeline. Mm. I had an agenda. Mm -hmm. I needed this to be fixed and I needed it to be done this way. And why? Because that's the kind of household I grew up inside of. I needed to do things on the timeline of the people who were raising me. Wow. Wow. You Once, know, so yeah. I, I want to hold this, Rebecca, because here you are, the therapist. Mm -hmm. And here you are, you have this heightened awareness. And this, this question just comes up for me personally yeah. here. And I don't know if husband is a therapist and he does that normally, like, you know, heightened awareness, like, um, how does that work in your marriage yeah. in which you know all this stuff? And then you're also maybe even I'm thinking you might be seeing as yourself more self-aware that you can turn this thing around and you can look, but is that reciprocated? Is it necessary to be reciprocated? And how does that even work being married yeah. for him to be married to a therapist? And you, uh, yeah, tell me more about that. So, so after like, I don't know, 15, 20 years of being together, I mean, for sure, I've rubbed off on him to some extent. Funny story, just the other day, he was telling me that somebody at the office where he works asked if they could talk to him about their relationship. He's not a therapist. He's a like IT security professional. Um, <laughs> he uses a different portion of his brain, right? Is totally he, is different. He, is yes. he a left brain? <laughs> you got it. Oh my right? goodness. So we're, we really um, are really different. And there were many years in our relationship where I remember going, oh my gosh, am I gonna outgrow him as I keep learning this stuff? So I hear the question. And the truth of the matter is that that isn't what has manifested. What has manifested is that the more one of us grows, the more it's like an invitation for the other to grow oh, too. Beautiful. Systems, systems work that way. Yes, yes. That makes a lot of sense. And so many times one is trying to control the other if you would only this or if your family was only that or you know she you know they we we just kind of don't get into that awareness but and it's I, it's yeah. like a real it's i i talk about having like synchronized dances i know mm -hmm. um you know sue johnson uses that analogy but i use it all through my book it's like how you dance together and if one of you is growing 
and the other, it's an invitation, that changes the dance between the two. It really does. And here's the thing. If you can do the U-turn, if you can start observing yourself and looking at yourself in this, Mm. you want to know the most important thing that you stop doing? You stop foisting off your old wounds onto your partner. Mm. You You stop foisting them off on them and saying, here, you take care of these old wounded parts of me. And you start showing up for those parts. And then it liberates your partner and they can just start doing that piece for themselves of looking at their old wounded parts. Wow. And wow. you're not taking care of their old wounded parts either. And then you but can just both, yeah. Who's really thinking about that they actually are like expecting their spouse to take care of their old wounded parts? It's not something that's conscious <clears throat> in us, right? It's, I, mean, it's, don't... I mean, that's my mission. My mission is to make this, this relational language more conscious. Ah, I gotcha. Gotcha. Right? Good so, for you. so yeah, this is, I think it's, I think of it like a language, like I speak English and I'm not really good at so many other languages, but I dabble in some, uh-huh. but this relational language is one that I want more of us to speak. I love that. Yeah. 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 Right. Cause like if you were to have a conversation with a friend uh-huh. or a relative about what was going on in your relationship and it wasn't feeling so good and it wasn't going so good and that friend were to be like, yeah, and you're right. And don't, and don't, <laughs> and you should, right. Versus uh-huh. if you're talking to a friend and they're like, well, have you thought about what you were contributing to that? Have you turned around and looked at yourself there? Like mm-hmm. that's going to shift things too. So I, I think more of us need to be able to speak this language. Absolutely. Absolutely. And be willing to admit that it's kind of like a cause and effect. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah, like the, it, whatever, but you don't realize, I see it all the time when I'm working with couples. It's hard to see it in yourself, of course, but you can see it in other people really easy, right? You can see <laughs> that. Uh, when one is actually inviting to be accused by the other, right? And then and they, they don't realize, they think, it's, they think it's outside of themselves, but it's really right. internal. It's really internal. You know, and I think so often we, we're walking around with those history-colored lenses on. Mm. History-colored lenses. Yeah, that I is steal, so true. I steal that one from Jules. Um, but yes, it's these history-colored lenses. And so everything that I'm responding to, I'm responding to through those lenses. Wow. Wow. That is true. That is so true. Right? So when yeah. there's like a... Here's a fun one. Again, about my relationship. Um my partner has this way of sometimes biting his lower lip. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a home where when somebody bit their lower lip like that, Mm. it meant that I had done something wrong and that I should jump into trying to fix it. And there's this one, I used to get really reactionary whenever my husband would bite his lip, what's the matter? What did I do? Mm. And then he would be like, what do you mean? Why are you asking? Why do you always have to do something? Why can't this just be a moment? Why do you mm-hmm. have to be it? Right. So like we'd get off yeah. to the races real quick right there. Well, yeah. this one, one day I'm sitting there, he bites his lip. I'm sitting next to him on the couch and I hear the story in my head. What did I just do? That it, right. But mm-hmm. I'm learning. I'm like in a deep place at this point. I put one hand on my heart and I just sit there with myself. Okay, Rebecca, what's happening right now? Did you do anything? No, you didn't do anything. Okay, wait, Mm. let's just take a look at him. And I look over. He's doing a Sudoku puzzle. Interesting. Interesting. I was having a huge reaction. And I really 
was having a reaction to him biting his lip, but it was out of context. Yes. I wasn't looking at where he was now. Wow. How wow. often do so many of us have those kinds of moments? I would imagine, I don't know what the percentage would be, Rebecca. Maybe you would know in your research how arguments get fueled by those very things that this is not even real this is not even what's going on between the two of you at all this has everything to do with the story and the automatic thing that the brain remembers right yeah it's not even that it's not real it's that what you're reacting to now isn't happening now it happened a long time ago in the past in the past it you're Mm -hmm. so the reaction is appropriate to the thing that you're reacting to but it's inappropriate for the time and place in which you're having the reaction and that's a very grace-filled way of looking at it rather than you're overreacting yeah you're making you're giving yourself grace well of course i'm reacting this way because this is what happened in the past but then well this is not the past this is my husband this is not whoever that was biting their lip and said you know right that's amazing that's amazing terry real puts it this way he says there's no such thing he says there's no such thing as overreacting it's just that someone what someone is reacting to may no longer be what is in front of them you don't Mm -hmm. remember trauma you relive it wow wow You don't remember trauma, you relive it. And that is what is happening in so many of our relationships. Mm, mm. Which that makes so much sense. And that that's quite a journey that a lot of people just don't even know that that this is a necessary journey to take to be more aware. You know, um, I mentioned trauma just a second ago. Yes. And I think that this is a piece of what people don't really get is that, you know, what is defined as trauma? How do we define trauma? I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Do define it. One of my favorite definitions comes out of the work of Bonnie Badenoch, who teaches interpersonal neurobiology. Mm-hmm. And Bonnie says that trauma is any experience of fear and or pain that doesn't have the support that it needs to be digested and integrated into the flow of our developing brains. And that's throughout our lifetime. Wow. Wow. That's worthy. I'm so glad that's worthy for you to just say again, if you don't mind, Rebecca, because that is like, that's packed with some clarity. And and can you say that again? Of course I can. Yes. This is from Bonnie Badenoch. We define, define trauma as any definition of fear and or pain that doesn't have the support that it needs to be digested and integrated into the flow of our developing brains. Mm. Mm-hmm. Boom, right? Like, yeah, yeah. This, this change is like, what are the things that have caused you fear or pain throughout your life that you didn't have support digesting and integrating? When you talk about not having support, is that mainly support from the outside? Is that mainly, or are you thinking, because you said this happens throughout your life. All of the above. So like integrate, if you can integrate this because you have the inner resources and tools and you can do that, you can support yourself through it. Uh Awesome, great. Uh 
If you have a wonderful therapist or friends that you can talk to, awesome. If you have good teachers or parents, great. But when you don't have the support and when you didn't have it when you were growing up, you might not have learned how to have it as an adult, Mm, mm, mm -hmm. right? Those inner resources get built relationally. We learn how to be even with ourselves through how others are with us. That's right. That is so, so the developing brain, not just in your childhood developing brain, but throughout, throughout like you your can, life, you can be 65, 70 years old, you still have a developing brain. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so if you have the support uh-huh. to be with the fear or the pain, it's not going to get stored as trauma. Wow. If you don't have that support, that's when it gets stuck inside. And to be with it, that doesn't mean to numb it. That doesn't mean to go out and smoke a joint. Doesn't mean to go out and, you know, um, have a couple, two or three beers or get tipsy so that you yeah, don't feel or, the pain, right? Or, or, or avoid the pain of relationships by overworking. Okay, yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. We're, we're boiling this down. It's yeah. not just those substances. Mm-hmm. It's what we do. It's food. It's exercise. It's, it's, it's things we do. Right. Yeah, it's homeschooling your kids, for that matter. Like, you could. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you get lost in, that takes you away from digesting and integrating that mm. pain and fear. The digestion and the integration is the important part. So, in a nutshell, how do you digest and integrate? <laughs> Find a, find a therapist like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, good, good news. There's tons of us. Um, yeah, there is, there is. There's tons of us, right? Yes. And you know, I'm, I really am a fan of somatic experiencing. I think that's a great place to learn how to do this, but that's only one format of therapy. If somebody's interested, I also think a huge part of this is listening to podcasts like this, mm. starting to take mm-hmm. moments with yourself, go for long walks in the woods and be with yourself, mm. have develop this relational language and be with your friends in that language and you can support each other right and some people do that through like journal writing too journal yeah. writing can be so very helpful for sure meditation totally. meditation yep yeah. yoga Medita- all of it can help as uh-huh. long as we're not bypassing the thing that's causing us fear or pain gotcha. once we start bypassing it we're not digesting it so, so we need to enter into it, need to enter and lean into that pain and not, not so much be fearful that you're going to fall apart or be there forever because some people fear that. Yeah. There's this, um, have you heard of Resma Menachem's work? Resma talks about clean pain and dirty pain. Okay. And I love these distinctions. Uh-huh. Dirty pain is kind of like when we sweep it under the rug. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. When yeah. we go around, when we go around the thing, when we bypass it in some way, uh-huh. clean pain is what it, it's like when we're moving through it. Mm. Right. So in relationships, here's what I like to teach people. I like to tell everybody that awkwardness is really good. Right. Hmm. We all try to avoid being off awkward. We all want to be perfect. Yeah. But being awkward is like a game changer in relationships. Wow. Because if I could be in a relationship with you and be like, hey, Judy, that thing you said, it just didn't feel so good to me. I don't like the way that landed. Can we have a moment with that? Can we talk about it? And, and I don't, if I can show up and, and like, oh, I didn't mean that, you know, and, and not try to fix or over, like, that's what we do. We don't want people to be like, oh, oh my gosh. And then you feel it, right? Right. 
But if I could just turn to you and say like, oh, that didn't feel so good, then we can have an authentic moment of connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Whereas most people will either, you know, they, they'll avoid that. They'll avoid it. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah. now we walk around in our relationships avoiding the fear and or pain. We, mm. we end up um, avoiding grief, essentially. Wow. Relational grief is what we avoid. And the cost of avoiding relational grief is that we don't get to experience relational joy. Wow. Wow. When you, yeah, when you reject uh, the, what you would call negative things like Mm -hmm. awkwardness, grief, sadness, whatever, then you're really numbing those other emotions. You just can't do that. Yeah. 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 It's really, really hard. Rebecca, this is so, so very valuable. I'm so curious because you've been on this journey and how has that, how has your work transformed you? Mm. I think my kiddos are going to have such a better chance at being relationally healthy adults. Mm. And I think a huge part of that, they're, they're young teens now. I think a huge part of that is that I got to see the parts of me mm. that were causing harm in my relationships. I got to see the ways in which that I was offensive. And that is hard to reckon with. It's like telling somebody who is highly intoxicated that you need to take their car keys away from them because they can't drive. Mm. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is hard to tell somebody you're being offensive and for them mm-hmm. to take that well. Mm-hmm. And when I can turn and look at those parts of me, you know, it's, it's so much easier to see the places where we're hurting than to see the places where we're causing hurt. Wow, you're absolutely right. Mm. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, and to lean into that reality about ourselves, it's that lack of awareness that causes the harm to ourselves and And, and to the people we care about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard then to face reality, isn't it? That's what I'm hearing. Like, it's hard to face reality. It's not actually that hard to face once you start building that muscle. I gotcha. Gotcha. Right? Once Mm. you start building that muscle, you can lean into it. And then it's just, oh, (laughs) I was a bumbly human again. Right. That's what I am. I'm a bumbly human. I'm not an awful human. I'm not a bad person. I just had a bumbly human moment because I'm a bumbly human and we're in person. That is so grace-filled. That word is so grace-filled. I'm a bumbly human. Yes. Uh, That is so good. That is so good. Right. Accepting the good, bad, ugly, the dark, the light, and, and, and just being real with yourself. That is like, it's our human struggle. Normalizing, normalizing the human struggle. Well, and that's really what it is, right? We're not trying to be anything other than human. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Which is, I I think part of the problem is that so often we're trying to be perfect. Mm. Mm. And perfectionism is really kind of like, it's, it's a grant, it's a form of grandiosity. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, And so it, it is something that causes harm. It causes mm-hmm. harm to ourselves and it causes harm to the people around us who don't feel they can either live up to our expectations or if we don't live up to our own expectations, we have a long way to fall. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if we let go of that and we accept that being human means I'm going to be imperfect. Mm. Mm. It's a lot easier to be with all of that. You know, being able to accept your own imperfections and then also having grace for the imperfections of others when they show up that way, right? Right, right. <laughs> wow, Rebecca, you're doing a remarkable work. What would you say to the listener who is experiencing this podcast right now and just, and, and there's this, there's this maybe gut punch, maybe there's this aha moment, oh my gosh, like, and maybe they're going through some struggles in their yeah. marriage or whatever. What, what piece of advice would you give that person? Be gentle with yourself. Mm. Right? Mm. Le- um, learn about self-compassion, radical self-compassion. Mm. Right? Yes. Learn about self-compassion. Find somebody that you can talk to, whether it's somebody in your church, in your synagogue, in your community, a therapist, a friend, a mentor, find somebody that you can talk to where you can just have the holding that you need Mm. to digest these moments. You don't need to do it alone. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Wow. This has been so very wonderful to talk with you, Rebecca. I just, this is great. I mean, it really fills my, uh, my love tank as a therapist to connect with you and just get, you know, get your wisdom here. It's just, it's, thank you so much. How can folks get in touch with you? Folks can find me over at connectfulness.com or at whydoesmypartner.com, either one. Oh, they'll both take you to my work. My connectfulness is my main website. And Judy, I should also mention that um, I think this spring I'm going to be opening a new community for folks okay. uh, that I'm calling Observing the Self. And so it's going to be like a, a little kind of clubhouse where we can do these U-turns and do them in community. I love that. And you know, even the sound of your voice, you are so much in the profession that you are meant to be in because it's just so, and so inviting and so healing. So I have so enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you. I really enjoyed it too. All right. You take care. This conversation with Rebecca was filled with such wisdom. Here's some things that stood out to me. Number one, when it comes to relational health, awkward is really good. Number two, it's important to digest and integrate fear and pain so we can also experience joy. And number three, be gentle with yourself. It starts with you to learn radical self-compassion. What stood out to you? Share your takeaways by going to betterrelationshipsbetterlife.com. Next week, we'll talk about conscious loving ever after with Gay and Katie Hendricks, a remarkable couple who have been pioneers in the field of body intelligence and relationship transformation. Keep in mind, you're not alone. There's hope and you're worth it. Until then, feel free to share, subscribe, rate, and comment. See you next time for Better Relationships, Better Life.